Hey everyone, welcome to episode four of the At Seasons End podcast. And this week I sat down with my good pal Joe Holka of 444 Fantasy Football and Fantasy Labs to talk about his journey as a professional hockey player. As I've said before, this isn't necessarily a sports podcast, but Joe's experience does offer a unique perspective into the life of aspiring professional athlete, a perspective that a lot of us rarely have candid access to or really even stop to consider. Um, As someone who works full-time in the fantasy sports industry, I was especially compelled by this conversation with Joe because... It's so easy, at least in my experience, to get caught up in the stats and spreadsheets and think of professional athletes as uh, nothing more than assets that we're trading in hopes of making a profit. And I think oftentimes we forget that uh, the people that we root for on the gridiron or the baseball diamond or on the ice, as in Joe's case, um, are human beings. And I think we also forget that Our entire exposure to these athletes is usually through only what we see on the field um, via some third party's account that we read on some website or what we see in very short interviews that usually take place right after um, a very competitive game. And on top of all that, our focus on athletes is almost always focused on the top 1% of the 1%. And little to no mind is ever paid to the fact that in sports like baseball and hockey, there's a grueling minor league system that uh, some athletes spend their entire 20s in and often come out with nothing to show for it. And uh, on that point, I think it's important to remember that most professional athletes are in their 20s, an age where most people still really have no idea who they are as a person. And then you add in the pressure of public scrutiny and uh, grueling schedules at any level that a lot of times leave these guys with no life outside of their sport. Um, Most of them who aren't making the millions of dollars of the top guys that we like to focus on put all that stuff together. And I'm not sure that I would have been a very likable public figure in that situation. So this is really fascinating for me to talk to someone like Joe who seemingly was able to stay very grounded, very focused, and very self-aware, all while traversing the professional hockey landscape. So it was just really fascinating talk, uh, one that left me with a new appreciation for the life of a professional athlete, and I hope you enjoy the talk as well. Joe Hoko, welcome to the podcast, man. How's it going, TJ? Just uh, actually finished listening to the episode with Remy, so pretty honored, honestly. Nice. It's a pretty unique idea that you have, and we've already talked about it before. Like These are the kind of podcasts I like to listen to in the offseason, so pretty excited to talk to you today. Let's let's plug your stuff up front uh, on Twitter, at Joe Holka. Then yep. uh, anything else you want to you plug up front before we, we get into the talk? Uh, obviously, yeah, we know each other from 4 for 4 football. It's going to be my third year with you guys doing some DFS stuff. And then uh, Roster Coach as well uh, with you, one of the sites that you founded. But you guys can also find my stuff uh, on Fantasy Labs. And then uh, my rushing expectation methodology is something you can find at 4 for 4 So uh, be uh, kind of on the lookout for that uh, in the coming months. Yeah, crushing it as always. Spread spread across uh, yeah. a bunch of sites. Staying busy, man. So let, let's just jump right into it. Uh, 
for those that, that only know you from the fantasy realm, uh, you have a background in hockey. You play professional hockey. And uh, I know in the beginning episodes of this pod and all the intros, I say it's not a sports podcast, but uh, with, your, with your experience as a professional player, I think it's unique enough where uh, we're not really looking at, at the fantasy slant of things. So um, talk about uh, how you got into hockey when you started and, and just kind of take us through um, how, you, how it kind of turned into a career aspiration for you. Yeah, well, uh, I'm originally from Phoenix, Arizona, so talk about kind of the non-traditional hockey market. Um, (laughs) But uh, my mom's from Michigan originally, and uh, father father figure growing up is uh, from Minnesota. So kind of from an early age, uh, played a lot of different sports. And then uh, growing up in Arizona, if you're going to play hockey, you kind of have to make that decision uh, relatively early. So I uh, decided to kind of go at it kind of full-time, not really playing any other sports, probably about 13, 14 years old. Um, Yeah, it's kind of a long, uh, drawn-out process, Um, a lot of ups and downs for sure. Um, But basically, it's kind of ironic that I cover football for a living because I started kind of the the football side of my my career now just because I wanted to do something that was completely separate from hockey because hockey is what I did all day long um and yeah I was it was kind of a release for me if anything but now that I'm done playing um starting to do a little bit of hockey stuff too because I because I kind of missed it honestly so this is my first year um full-time in the industry this past year and then uh my first year not playing hockey since I was four years old, so that was definitely a, kind of a transition. But Yes, so, uh, I mean, like you said, anytime you have something that's kind of, when you've been doing it that long, it just becomes part of you, and I think you're you're never really going to step away from it. But let's kind of go through it chronologically. You said uh, your first year not playing since um, four, and being in Phoenix, I mean, uh, there's... I'm guessing there's probably not a a ton of options, so kind of walk us through early uh, early youth playing, and then once you uh, get, I mean, a lot of us get into high school and we we play the sport that's available Mm -hmm. at high school. I'm guessing that you guys probably didn't have a high school hockey team, so just kind of talk through um, that that first part of your life by hockey. Yeah, so Arizona was probably the first chapter of my hockey career. Um, started actually the first time I ever skated when I was four years old. I just uh, absolutely hated it. I went to like a, um, it's kind of like a public skate type thing. It was middle of summer. It's like 110 degrees. Just my uh, my parents just trying to get me out of the heat, and it was just so crowded. I really just didn't enjoy myself. But um, later that summer, I kind of gave it a real shot just as far as the hockey thing i mean i played pretty much every sport and uh was pretty competitive from a from a young age so the hockey thing was something that just uh was something i was just trying out originally but i heard you kind of mention it uh on the last podcast or the one with rummy that you personally like you were kind of uh the kind of person that you if you do something you do it full out and you don't really know how to do it any other way that's pretty much how it was with hockey it just kind of snowballed from there it was uh, a sport that was unique um for arizona for sure but definitely uh kind of that core group of friends i had growing up um still keeping contact with a lot of those guys so early on um there wasn't a ton of ice rinks uh, compared to where i live now in minnesota so the options were relatively limited um i was really lucky growing up that i ended up in like a really good age group like a kind of historically good age group for arizona just kind of 
lucked out that way. Um, one of my last teams I was on, we had like 17 or 18 guys play Division One hockey um, from that team, which is pretty unheard of, even for some of the, the teams out here in Minnesota. Um, that just doesn't really happen. So it kind of became, um, like you said, we don't have a high school hockey out here, so it's all club hockey. Um, it's very expensive. Um, definitely grateful for my mom. Um working a couple of jobs to make the hockey thing work because it's just so expensive for ice time in general but definitely uh in those beginning years um it was kind of a thing that i wasn't really sure if i was gonna take it that next step but it was um hockey is kind of a unique thing like if you stand out um in arizona you like really stand out because the the player pool is smaller than a lot of these other traditional hockey markets so if you're one of the top players you're playing on the top teams i grew up playing um with guys that were two and three years older than me pretty much my entire young career um i was one of those guys that grew a bunch um all at once and was like taller than most of the kids my age but never really filled out just kind of bambi out on skates honestly before i kind of filled out um but those early years it was a lot of um kind of just trying to get ice time a lot of travel missed a lot of school um but yeah i mean it kind of set me up um for the next chapter but if there's anything else that you want me to go over i can do that too yeah i mean i have a couple questions so um like what age did you decide that you were going to start playing hockey pretty seriously because like you said um there's probably a lot of travel involved and, and it was pretty expensive uh so when did you make that commitment where you're going to uh miss school how'd you convince your parents at, at a young age that you're going to miss school and start traveling around playing hockey yeah well uh, originally the goal um was just to kind of uh play that i would play golf pretty uh pretty not not uh, as much as hockey but golf was like my other sport i was probably more of a natural at golf um looking mm-hmm. back on it probably uh, would have been a better career path uh, an easier one maybe for sure at least on the body but um but yeah i mean hockey kind of at that age i was probably around 14 when i kind of had to make that decision that okay. i was going to really go for it and uh kind of the goal at that point was just to play division one hockey and get a scholarship and uh, get my school paid for so when you're playing, uh, when you're 14 playing at the club level, I mean, when you say there's a lot of travel, um, what kind of travel are we talking about? Because, I mean, like like you said, being uh, southwest, close to the west coast, there's probably not a ton of, of teams or clubs. So how far are you traveling to uh, play? What whatever level you have to play at to to be competitive? Yeah, so there was a couple of teams in Arizona, but like I said, it's kind of a small player pool of like kind of the elite players uh, per age group. So was traveling pretty much every weekend, was going to California, was going to Las Vegas, Colorado, a lot of places that were kind of driving distance um, in the Southwest. But then we'd also make a couple trips uh, to the Midwest, Michigan, Minnesota every year. And then we usually made at least one trip up to Canada as well. So uh, yeah, funny story, actually. I think I was probably like 13 years old. Uh, The first time I ever went to Canada, I was in Brandon, Manitoba which is kind of uh, towards Western Canada. And it's a really small town, um, but we were the only American team even in the tournament. I'm not even sure how we kind of got um, invited for this, but the way it just worked out, we ended up just like waxing basically all the teams in this tournament, all these Canadian teams. And they're just like, we were getting interviewed by like um, people from like, they had no idea like that there was even ice in Arizona. Like I've heard that question like a million times, like, oh, is there even ice in Arizona? Like how are you a hockey player from there? But yeah, it was just um, 
got really lucky, like I said, playing with uh, kind of a really good uh, group of kids. We'll talk, we'll talk about um, one of my coaches from Arizona, I'm sure, in a little bit. He's actually uh, the assistant coach for the Edmonton Oilers now. So it's really fortunate to have uh, some really good coaches uh, early on. But it was definitely a commitment for uh, something that I definitely had to kind of uh, stop playing other sports to really make it happen uh, as far as uh, pretty much traveling every weekend. Yeah, you, I mean, you, you you probably answered this a little bit, but uh, being in Arizona, uh, and you, you said you guys kind of had this, this elite player pool, mm-hmm. um, there's probably uh, a conception, no matter what sport it is, there's always these regions where you're going to, if, if you're basketball from New York, um, you know, you're probably going to be a little rougher, come from, come from a, a stiffer uh, pool of competitors. Mm-hmm. Did you... When you started traveling, you said you went up to this this tournament in Canada and you beat all these teams from Canada. Uh, did you notice that uh, coming from like a smaller player pool that um, maybe being the best in the small player pool was there like an eye opening experience traveling uh, to one of these big tournaments where you see these teams that that are just stacked, or was it something where it's just a, a misconception and there was enough talent in Arizona you were playing at that higher level where, where um, it kind of was the opposite where it worked to your advantage. People look at you think you're not that good because you're not from one of these traditional hockey areas. Areas, and then you show up and, and you really show them uh, who's boss or something like that. Yeah, I think it was um, a little bit of both, honestly. I think one of the biggest things as far as playing against some of those teams in Canada, playing against some of the teams from Midwest, Minnesota, Michigan, is a lot of their top players, like, it's not very often that they're all on the same team. So it's like, it's not necessarily watered down, but my club team when I was like in high school, like we just sort of ran all over some of the teams, um, the high school teams in Minnesota, not to say we had better players, top end players, but top to bottom, it was, uh, the best players in Arizona probably played on at least one or two teams and that was it. So top to bottom, I mean, just from an athlete perspective, uh, I think we almost had an edge more than anything because these guys took us lightly just because we were from Arizona, but at the same time, they just didn't really understand that, the top players say in a place like Minnesota, they're they're spread out between 10, 12, even like 15 different high schools. But maybe if we played some of their all-star teams, it would have been a, some closer games, but we definitely were competitive and pretty much everywhere we went. Yeah. And when you were playing on those club teams, you, you mentioned that um, you knew pretty early your goal uh, was to play D1 hockey was at what point did you know you have uh, a chance to, and, and once that happened, what was, uh, that process, that scouting process, trying to figure out where you're going to go uh, play college. What was that like? Yeah, so basically, um, so my coach was pretty big on college. The hockey kind of route is a little bit different than other sports. You have basically a, a big decision um, after high school. You can play something that's called junior hockey, or you can also call it's called uh, major junior hockey. So the biggest difference between those two is major junior hockey is uh, where you're actually getting paid, so you lose your NCAA eligibility. So as soon as you go to one of those major junior teams, you play one game, you are not eligible to play college hockey anymore, but you get paid, and then you can kind of uh, be eligible for the draft. Like a lot of those like uh, kind of high-end Canadians, they play major junior, so the Crosbys of the world, even those guys, that they all played major junior. Um, so junior A is 
technically a step below that, but if you're going to play college hockey, junior A is uh, kind of what you have to go for. So there's there's leagues in the states, and there's also leagues in Canada. But so basically, I was trying to kind of set myself up to try out for a few different junior teams. I wasn't sure if I play in the states or if I play in Canada. Um, the USHL is a junior hockey league in the states. It's arguably the best junior hockey league in the world. Um, probably right on tier with a lot of major junior teams. And then there's uh, the BCHL where I ended up playing in Canada, in British Columbia, which is probably the second best league. But the scholarships and the recruiting process happens more kind of uh, from that time period. But early on, it was all about trying to market myself to these junior teams and try and go somewhere where I was going to get a good amount of exposure. So are you? Are these junior teams, um, is this after you graduate high school or is it still kind of at the end of your high school career? What's that timeline look like before um, you you get to uh, the D1 level? Because like yeah. you said, it's kind of a different process. I mean, where traditional sports, you go from high school, get recruited in your high school gym or on your high school football field, and then you're just on, on campus. There's no in-between in most other sports. Yeah, it's definitely a lot different. Um, as far as the age, in Canada, you can be 16 to 21 um, yeah. if you're Canadian, but if you're American, you can't go there until you're 18. So um, there are some guys in the USHL being, like, uh, that play when they're 16, but most people don't even go to juniors until they're, they're 18. There are guys um, kind of that are the exceptions that go right to school. They're called true freshmen. Um, but it's not as common um, in hockey as it is in other sports. So typically guys are playing anywhere from one to three years of junior hockey. Um, probably most common is one or two years. I ended up playing three. Um, can talk about that um, as well. But yeah, it's, it's just kind of marketing yourself for those teams. You just want to set yourself up to be in a good organization, but also be in a good enough league where you're actually going to get looked at by uh, those division one scouts. So, I mean, at that time period, it was, it was more of a dream than anything else. Honestly, um, kind of my father figure growing up lived in Minnesota. So I kind of grew up around college hockey. I never really considered going the major junior route just because um, at the time I just really needed to develop as a player and, Basically, if you're going to go to the major junior route, it, it makes sense if you're going to be like a first-round draft pick and you're ready to play in the NHL when you're 18, like a Connor McDavid or, or one of those guys. But if you're anywhere in between, it just makes more sense to go the junior A route and then hopefully uh, get the opportunity to play uh, college hockey and get some of your school paid for. So that was my goal originally. Yeah, I mean, that's an important thing. And and you think it'd be something that's really simple. You, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a really high pick or I'm not. But I think especially um, in at that level of athletics, I think a lot of young people um, get really bad advice, whether it's from uh, yeah. coaches or, or overzealous dads. And uh, to have someone around you uh, that was aware enough and yourself being self-aware enough, that seems like... Uh, a pretty big decision to make because I would imagine there's a fair amount of people um, that that go the wrong route thinking they're they're better than they are and, and that probably comes back to bite them a bit, huh? Oh, most definitely. I think that you kind of hit it on the head there. It's probably the biggest um, decision you make until you're uh, done with high school is if you're going to play major junior or if you're going to play um, junior A. And I know tons of kids that maybe, I mean, were in my same situation. They were one of the better players in Arizona, but realistically they weren't going to be a first or second round draft pick and they 
kind of gotten like there's different agents and stuff that will talk to you and say that they can get you on certain teams and then you get there and things can change quickly and as soon as you play that one game you basically are throwing your college career down the drain so you better hope that uh things are going to go well for you because i know tons of guys that honestly were probably better players than me when i when i was younger or at least uh kind of the 18 to 19 year old age but it gets to the point where they just um maybe maybe if they would have went to college out they would have gone further because their career was basically over when they were 21 and they didn't sign it uh like a pro contract yeah i mean i i've, I've seen it as, um especially baseball because there's so many uh levels kind of similar where they're trying to decide if you're gonna get drafted out of uh, high school baseball similar in that respect where a lot of people skip the college drinks but uh, mm-hmm. I've had buddies that that have had that experience where they skip college and they're gonna get drafted but uh, kind of fizzle out just because they're not as developed but you you decided to go the junior out um, what age did you decide to do that and you said you ended up in, in British Columbia uh, I think straight from Arizona so what was that transit transition like at that young age um, just talk about that experience how long you were up there and, and uh, what that was like yeah uh, so I graduated high school in 2008 um, and then I was 18 and decided to play juniors um, originally the plan was to go to British Columbia like I said it is one step down technically from the USHL um, the plan was to go there for one year, uh, hopefully do well, um, move over to the, the USHL from there. Um, and at the same time, I was from Arizona. I'd never really lived somewhere where hockey was a big deal. And I thought that that was kind of an important experience for me to go through just from kind of a human development perspective. Like I'd never been away from home before. The way juniors work is you live with a billet family. So they cook all your meals for you and, uh, Basically, you have probably a couple of roommates and you aren't going to school. You can't. Some guys are going to school, but I was already graduated from high school. So I was basically just worrying about hockey uh, when I got there in my first year. So Penticton, British Columbia was the town that I was in. It's uh, it's a north of, of Washington. So it's a, a probably a couple hours south of Vancouver. Um, beautiful country. Honestly, I, I thought about Canada completely differently uh, growing up, obviously, than than British Columbia actually was. It's, it's honestly like if you've ever been to Colorado and or Minnesota with a bunch of lakes, it's kind of a mixture of the two. It's it's basically mountains surrounded by lakes. Uh, Penticton is in wine country, so it's some of the best wine country in the world outside of like Napa Valley and all those. But it's a pretty small town. It it's a very touristy town as far as like the summers. So it, uh, the population more than triples in the summers. Uh, there's a beach on both sides of town. And for the first time, it was just uh, playing on the Penticton V's uh, team that I was on. It was it was uh, just a really big deal, and it, it was so different for me, I guess, because playing hockey in Arizona, even in high school, it's like um, you're more of like not the weird kid, but you're not going the traditional like football right. and all that stuff. So it's being able to be kind of accepted for the sport that I chose for the first time, and honestly, be like kind of a, a small like town celebrity for the most part, it was pretty cool uh, in that first year, but definitely caught some adversity for the first time in that first year. So, um, yeah. Yeah, you touched on a lot there. And um, I mean, you, uh, you talk about going up there and being a, a small town celebrity. I, I mm-hmm. actually um, spent some time in Kelowna, which is just north of Kelowna. No way. Yeah, at, 
and I could vouch for the fact that that is a really cool area right on um, on Lake Okanagan, I think. Is yep. that right? Yeah, uh, that's, I wasn't yes. even going to say Kelowna because I figured no one would know where that is. So that's interesting yeah, that you've been there. It's just a, a random town that uh, I had a friend that lived there and ended up spending the winter with him. But one of his buddies um, played uh, hockey uh, for Kelowna and yep. he had, he had already Major finished Junior. playing. Yes, so he had finished playing, but while he was there, he was he was a hometown boy and played there. So he, he was one of the better players in their history. He just never uh, never made it all the way through for whatever reason. But yeah. I, I went to a game with him, and it's in this little, I don't know, 5,000-seater stadium. And yep. we're walking around the stadium, and they're looking at this guy like he's a god. He's signing autographs and taking pictures of the kids. I'm like, geez, these people are. And it's it's the only sport they have there. It's not close to, yep. to Vancouver or anything. It's not a big city. So I imagine you had a, a, a bit of that. So. I mean, um, I don't want to gloss over the fact uh, of you moving up to that small town. Like, did you experience any um, culture shock or anything? Just what was, I mean, you're 18 years old at the time. Uh, did you have, have a lot of free time in this new town? Did you get to explore much or were you just just zeroed in on hockey? Yeah, Kelowna is a little bit bitter, bigger than Penticton. But, yeah, it's like a 45-minute drive. Um, but... It was interesting, yeah. I mean, you walk out um, to a packed building of, like, 5,000 people, and that might not sound like a lot of people um, from even, like, some other sports or even hockey in the NHL, but, I mean, for those small buildings, like, those places get absolutely rocking. (laughs) And, like, Canadians, they... They love their. They love pretty much two things. They love their hockey and they love their beer. So those two things combined, um, it was a really good time. It was a cool experience. I'd never really played in front of an atmosphere like that at all. I mean, basically scouts and parents my entire childhood in uh, in Arizona as far as playing. So it was definitely culture shock for me more because from Phoenix originally. So I mean, a town of probably like four, four million or so to like forty thousand in Penticton or even less uh, during the winter was uh was definitely kind of different um not going to school basically just worrying about hockey was uh it was a transition but honestly it was uh that first year i I guess grew a lot as a person in general like i feel like i went into canada a completely different person in a good way um then i kind of came in just more confident um kind of just finally had that life experience away from being in arizona and kind of for the first time knew uh kind of what my goals were and kind of just saw it right there if I could definitely uh kind of improve like the the first year was honestly kind of a rough year um from a hockey perspective like in Arizona I kind of talked about it before I never really had a a ton of adversity um I don't not really the kind of person that's gonna toot my own horn in any way but I basically thought I would go up to Canada just tear it up and go to the USHL the following year but I got there and realized pretty quickly that it was uh, just a different, I was a very raw, like if, if, there, if I was uh, to compare myself to like a football player, I was like the Doriel Green Beckham of a hockey player. Like <laughs> I had a lot of great tools and mm-hmm. a lot of flashes, but like just couldn't put it all together. And my work ethic was always there, but mm-hmm. I think at, at the time I probably thought I was a lot better than I was. So what was that like for you? Um, People are are really different, especially at at a young age. Um, Some people are really fragile, especially when they've gone through a sport where they've never faced a ton of adversity. And uh, people people react to it different ways. People need um, a different push. So what was your experience like going up there, uh, not crushing something where you've 
pretty much been the best at every level you've played in and how did you you get through it is it something where you already just kind of uh naturally somebody that could come uh through adversity strong uh did you realize you need to work harder did you have a coach like what was it that uh that year one 18 years old this new transition and then you're struggling um talk about that experience and and how you improved on it yeah i mean for the first time um I was not in the lineup every single game. Um, we dressed, uh, probably put two or three guys in the stands for every game. Like I was playing with some guys, um, and even when you're in the lineup, sometimes if you're playing on the fourth line, you're not getting a lot of opportunity, not getting a lot of ice time. So originally, I like kind of started to blame it on that, just like, oh, the coach doesn't like me, blah blah. If I got this chance, I could be up there with those top scorers. And to be honest, it was a uh, kind of an eye-opening experience um playing in penticton there's guys you see guys getting scholarships you see guys going on visits to schools and signing their letters of intent and when you're not one of those guys it's, it's really frustrating it's easy to kind of get down on yourself um after that first year um i really just tried to kind of look in the mirror and just realize that i needed to do something some things uh a little bit differently that that first summer back in Arizona after um, my first season in Penticton, I really just tried to uh, obviously get back in the gym, but hired a trainer that was more hockey-specific workouts, which is honestly probably the most important thing. Um, but it wasn't even a physical thing for me. It was a lot more mental just because I had never been in a situation where I wasn't scoring goals. I'd never been in a situation where I was getting like two or three shifts a period and even been out of the lineup. like. I was never scratched for more than one game in a row in juniors. Um, that change going on, uh, kind of moving up in levels. Uh, but at the at the time, it felt like the end of the world, missing one game. But in that summer, I got back in the gym, of course. But uh, what really I think was the turning point for me is I, I mentioned some of my friends growing up that were like two years older than me. Some of them didn't move on to junior hockey. Some of them did. But we were all back for the summer. And, we joined kind of just like this men's league, like basically just a beer league. And mm-hmm. I kind of just got to score some goals and just have fun playing hockey. Cause like, I'm the kind of person that like, I'm such a perfectionist and I just like put so much pressure on myself that it just like, if I like kind of even got an opportunity, I was like so stiff and there was just like no chance that I was going to be able to make the plays that yeah. I thought I was capable of. So getting to do that uh, for an entire summer, like just score some goals. Uh, it really just made a really big difference. Sure. So how how long did you um, spend in Arizona? Like when you got back, what was the what was your season length like? And then um, what what happened when you went back up for year two? Yeah. So you go up um, in August. uh, The season goes through probably April or so, depending on how far you go in playoffs. So after that summer, I kind of gets reassessed, told myself I um, was going to basically try out for a ushl team i wasn't sure if i was going to make it or not but like i said i was just convinced that uh it was the coach's fault and not mine uh so i tried out for a for ushl team um basically did everything i could do to make this team told them i'd play on the fourth line told them that i'd fight like all this stuff ended up being uh long story short i ended up being the last cut for this ushl team so i kind of did this under the radar didn't really tell anyone in canada i was going to the tryout um so I went back to Canada, basically my fallback. I didn't even want to be there for more than a year. First year didn't go well. So I get back up there, um, playing really well in preseason. I uh, was like fortunate enough to like have a really good start. Um, so score score a couple goals in uh, preseason and kind of just 
not change the coach's mind, but at least like earned somewhat of an opportunity early on. So I was basically still not playing on the power play, which is where the majority of your points are coming from. And for at, at that age, like points are literally everything to you. It's like how you think you're going to get noticed and all that stuff. So I was a little bit frustrated. Like I was putting up points, so it wasn't on the power play. And it, I didn't get put on the power play until like October or November of that second year because I was leading our team in goals and I wasn't even on the power play. So it was a really good start. I think I, I had maybe 10 goals um, at Christmas and had some teams talking to me, um, a couple of schools that I really honestly wasn't really interested in, some smaller schools, um, a couple Ivy League schools, but I really wanted to play in, uh, at the time was the WCHA, which was basically the SEC of college hockey. So like the University of Minnesota, North Dakota, Denver University, Wisconsin, those type of schools. So that was kind of my goal. Um, so I was talking to some smaller schools and it ended up being kind of like a bidding war of some sorts, uh, had good grades. So I was able to kind of put some schools against each other and was trying to set up a few visits, but no one was giving me a full ride. And that's basically kind of what I was going for. I was willing to kind of go down to maybe a lesser league, maybe a lesser team just to get my school completely paid for. Um, but opted to, I turned down a couple offers early. Um, and which is a hard thing to do. I mean, after you've been through some tough times and finally kind of turned things around. I was one of our top scorers the, my second year. Um, ended up probably the day before I was going to accept an offer um, to a smaller school. I got the call from, from St. Cloud saying that they would give me a full ride, but I had to commit to it. It was The offer was basically only on the table, table for gonna like 48 hours at the most. I wasn't going to get a chance to, to visit the school but uh, St. Cloud State was in the WCHA, so that top league that I wanted to be in, it was only an hour away from uh, where my where my dad's cabin was in Minnesota, and it was basically like a perfect fit. It was a team that was probably like middle of the road um, as far as college went, but the big thing was they wanted me to go back for a third year of juniors, which I really wasn't kind of planning on doing. I was hoping to get to school when I was 20 after two years, but ultimately I decided to uh, to sign with them, sign my letter of intent, and then uh, go back for one more year of juniors and then go to college. When you uh, have this opportunity that comes up, I mean, there, there has to be a, a, a little trepidation in signing a letter of an intent with a school that wants you to, to go back uh, to juniors, especially when there are other small schools that have uh, have offers for you. Anything can happen in sports. Yeah. You, you can you can blow out a knee injury. You can have a bad season. You just never know. I mean, what uh, did any of that go through your mind? I'm sure it did. And, and it, when you I've, I've actually never even heard of um that happening, I didn't know it happened in mm -hmm. hockey where you sign a letter intent to a school and then still go play juniors. Is are there any safeguards in place for? I mean, if you do get hurt, you're basically leveraging your short term future at least with them. Yeah. Uh, so you sign your letter of intent, but it's basically a verbal commitment. Um, most teams will honor it uh, regardless of how your season goes. I actually did have an injury in my third year, so it's it's funny that you say that. Um, about halfway through the year. I tore my labrum, uh, had a bunch of impingement type things in my hip. Uh, so I was in my last year, things were going well. I was playing probably as well as I was my second year. Um, but I knew that I needed to kind of put up some numbers at that time. I was 
in conversations with some NHL teams as far as like the NHL draft, even though I was a little bit older, it does happen. Uh, so I was in my 21 year old year, um, but you really have to light the world on fire because you've essentially been passed over your 18 and 19 year old year. So I was 20 um, and I had this injury and I basically have to decide if I want to get surgery and my last year of juniors right there, or if I want to kind of rehab, see how it goes. And then if it doesn't go well, have to get surgery in the off season and then kind of be behind the eight ball at school. So I kind of, from a pride perspective, I didn't want to leave my teammates. Like I was, I was a captain that year, one of the captains and hadn't won a championship yet, even though we had a, a really good team pretty much every year. I mean, we had some NHL players that a lot of people would recognize uh, on each of those teams, pretty fortunate enough to be on some really good teams there, but we, we never really went all the way. So ended up going the rehab route. Um, honestly, St. Cloud probably would have preferred if I guess would have ended my junior season then and just got the surgery, but I got it after the season. Uh, we went really far in playoffs. Um, didn't end up winning, but so I got the surgery and it's like a, basically a six month recovery to where you're fully able to take contact and all this stuff. I didn't really understand at the time that there's a big difference between being cleared and actually being back to a hundred percent. So, I mean, I, I feel for these football uh, kind of athletes that we talk about with injuries and people are kind of accelerating their timelines and yeah, like you could be good. You're not going to hurt yourself, but like that explosiveness is like, what's the longest to come back. So, I mean, I was basically rehabbing all summer, um, getting back into shape. I wasn't able to work out the way I wanted to, wasn't able to skate the way I wanted to, but even after a really successful junior career, it was uh, pretty nerve wracking going into that first year of college. During this whole time where you get injured and, and uh, you're still in BC, but you have this letter of intent with St. Cloud, uh, what's your relationship like with St. Cloud and was there any uh, was there any tension even just uh, for yourself I, I would imagine that they're pulling you in two different directions the team you're playing on um, wants you out there and want, want you to win St. Cloud has a very big interest in you being healthy um, are they in your ear at all at that time are they allowed to, to give you advice or tell you what to do what, what was that like yeah, I mean, they can give you advice. I was on a conference call with my college coach, my junior coach, and then a general surgeon who was looking kind of at my MRI, and we were trying to make a kind of a more of an educated decision. And it was pretty clear that my junior coach wanted me to try and rehab first. Obviously, he doesn't want to lose one of his, his better players uh, for kind of the second half of the season. But at the same time, St. Cloud wanted kind of me to get that more experience. It's the whole reason they sent me back for one more year to kind of uh, be a leader and kind of hit the ground running when I got back there. So, I mean, at the time, like no one wants to be the guy that's just going to say he's injured and is going to get kind of surgery and kind of abandon his teammates. Like there's a lot of different kind of uh, thought processes that went through my mind. Uh, looking back on it, 100% should have just got the surgery and ended my season. Like it was something that when you go to school, like I got there, everyone gets there pretty early and you start training with the team early, kind of get your bearings and start skating. And like, I was basically doing C cuts on the ice. So basically just like barely like moving around after like these other freshmen have had a full summer of working out, full summer of training under their belts. And like, what I think I underestimated at the time was like first impressions are just like so important. Mm -hmm. And like, if I wasn't ready, which I knew I wasn't, like I, 
I still had pain. Like it was probably better than it was, but like that explosiveness just doesn't come back as quickly as you think. And then like at the time people were like, Oh, do you want to redshirt your freshman year? And you don't want to be the guy that's just going to be like, Oh, I'm hurt. And sure. Yeah. I'll redshirt. And then just like hang out all year and go to school. Like I, that was something that I didn't really want to do, but looking back on it, uh, first impressions, uh, I should have been more concerned with that probably. Uh, did you end up redshirting? I did not. Uh, I actually played the first game of the season. That was my kind of my goal. Uh, definitely wasn't right. It was probably like 70 to 75% my first college game. And uh, we had some really good older guys that year. But my freshman class that I came in with, there was like 11 of us. So a lot of guys coming in, trying to make impressions, a lot of guys getting opportunities. And when I was getting opportunities early on, probably wasn't in a good spot physically. So before we get into your experience um, on the ice at St. Cloud, I think that there's probably a really interesting situation in that you uh, you left Arizona and, and go to British Columbia and you kind of have a first college experience in so much of you're going away from home for the first time, living in a new city, you have roommates, uh, you're on a team, and then you start your actual college experience as um, a 21-year-old freshman. Yep. So, I mean, is that something that do, – do you guys have a pretty big mix of tw- – one-year-old freshman and 18-year-old freshman on the team and then what's that like getting to college as a 21-year-old freshman not having gone to school in three years yeah so two sides of it the first side is that i would not trade junior hockey for the world had probably the best time my entire life in canada probably would go back for another three years today if they'd let me but uh yeah i mean you're going back to school i hadn't done class hadn't done math for for almost four years and Mm -hmm. basically you get into the dorms you're a 21 year old freshman you have all these people coming up to you trying to get you to buy alcohol and all this (laughs) stuff and it's just like oh my god but at the time St. Cloud was kind of a middle of the pack um, WCHA team like most of the kind of the stud teams that you hear about like the University of Minnesota North Dakota they do have some younger guys kind of like those uh, prodigies that are coming in as true freshmen but St. Cloud at the time, we were kind of more of a blue-collar team. Like, we had, I think, five of our 11 were 21, and then we had a couple 20-year-olds, too. So we had, we had a really old class, um, so it was nice. I mean, I wasn't the only one that was that was a 21-year-old freshman, but, I mean, I looking back on it, I think that I definitely don't regret uh, staying in juniors for three years just because I had so much fun, but it, it was a transition going back to school, and you don't even realize the age gap almost until like your sophomore or junior year when you're 23 and kind of like even like the freshman girls coming in are 18 and like it's a big difference when you're kind of that age i I noticed it more when i was a probably a junior than i did when i was a freshman what's your mindset like showing up uh on the camp st cloud i mean i would think that uh whether you're an athlete or um, just a, a regular student, when you're showing up to college, um, 18-year-old, uh, most people, at least guys, you're showing up, you're going to try to meet every girl on campus. Uh, focusing isn't on, on anything, sports or uh, academics, isn't most people's main focus when they get to college. You've had three years of experience living on your own. You're 21. Yeah. You've kind of done your own thing before. Do you show up focused or do you still have a little bit of that 
holy shit, I'm on a college campus. I'm ready to have a little bit of fun. (laughs) Well, yeah, there's definitely part of that. I mean, you worked really hard for that experience. Um, I had a pretty serious girlfriend at the time from, uh, from Canada, which, uh, ties into, uh, part of the kind of the, I don't know, the, the bad part of this story, I guess, but she was from Penticton. She went to uh, Bemidji, which is a little bit north uh, for soccer. So we're doing the long distance thing. I was trying to be probably uh, just be a good guy, obviously. But I mean, you definitely have your share of fun when you first get there. I mean, the, the excitement of the first week, we call it moving week, was was uh, unlike probably anything I'd been a part of. And trying to kind of balance school, hockey, a girlfriend, a long distance girlfriend, uh, was challenging but i mean i had kind of gotten better about being on my own obviously because it was my fourth year out of the house so i mean i i think i balanced it relatively well um at the time all i was really worried about was getting my body right so probably should have had a little bit more fun that first year looking back on it when i was just worried a little bit too much about trying to get back um all I really cared about was getting my body in a good place. But yeah, I mean, those first couple of weeks of school, especially those, those first couple of games, those first couple of weekends when the team starts to do well, I mean, there's nothing like a, like a Saturday night uh, in college after a big weekend. Yeah. So, I mean, getting into the, the hockey side of it a little bit, um, did you experience kind of another, um, I guess culture shock for lack of a better term, but not, not so much a, a culture shock in moving to a new town, but maybe just a, um, a routine shock in that you, you finish high school and then you're just focused on hockey. Um, you said your goal is just to kind of get your body right, but now you have to uh, balance not only your personal life, but now you're doing the school thing too. Uh, did you struggle on the ice at all or just kind of in your training with that having a second responsibility that you hadn't had three or four years? Yeah, I mean, school was never a huge issue for me. I was kind of the guy that people hate that just, like, didn't really have to study. You would just show up and do okay. Um, so, I mean, school was fine. I mean, St. Cloud's not exactly Harvard or anything like that. So right. <laughs> it was uh, it was fine, especially those early years, uh, freshman year, sophomore year. It's, uh, it's kind of a... Um, I don't know. They're, they're just your general classes. It wasn't that big a deal. But as far as the hockey side of it, uh, it was kind of another situation similar to my first year in Canada where you get to a, a school like St. Cloud. Yes, they're not the number one team in the league, but even playing on, like I said, like an SEC type team for football, like basically the WCHA, every single player on the team, they were the best player on their junior team. So right. it's a situation where there's even more people in the stands. I think we, I think we scratched four or five forwards a night. So you basically walk in the locker room and the lines are in color. So if you had a bright yellow jersey in your stall, you knew that you weren't playing that weekend. So even just the mindset in general, after kind of having some success a couple of years, like in my eyes, like kind of figured things out, um, coming into the lo- locker room after a full day of classes and then seeing a yellow jersey in your stall, that's uh, it's kind of tough to swallow, especially when you've been a big part of the the team you've been on for the last couple of years. Yeah, so go ahead and, and walk us through that freshman year. I mean, you said you, you go in there a little injured. Uh, you don't give the first impression you want, and then uh, you're getting scratched every now and then. What's year one look like for you at this this kind of – you're in this conference that you reached this goal, and now you're kind of back on the sidelines. Yeah, year one um, was fine. I actually scored a goal in, uh, I think, my second game. So got off to a fine start. Um, 
but like I said, still wasn't quite right physically. Um, really up and down. Like the I was in the lineup, but on the fourth line. So like the fourth line of college is even different than juniors. Like you're literally get on the ice like two or three shifts a game, and it's kind and of for impo- someone that for someone that isn't familiar with hockey. I mean, what sure. what kind of minutes are we talking about there? So basically, yeah, there's four lines. Uh, the top three lines of forwards, at least, um, are playing a good amount. Probably most of the guys on the top two lines are on the power play. But if they're on the fourth line, you're getting a couple shifts a period. So probably only on the ice for maybe two or three minutes max per period. And even when you're on the ice, you're not on the power play. So it's it's tougher to get points for sure. Um, but I mean, in general, like those first impressions, the coach coaches don't really think so much about ice time, believe it or not. They're more kind of worried about your numbers when it comes down to it. So, I mean, if you're not getting those opportunities, it's really tough to stand out, especially with uh, with really good players and definitely a really good class that I came in. So we started having uh, some success um, in general from our team, like, and kind of that first year we made it pretty far we did, we made it to kind of our postseason tournament uh ended up losing but yeah it was it was a rough season but i kind of tried to look at it as the next year would be better just because i'd have a full season try and get finally healthy it wasn't probably until christmas time that i was feeling kind of back to normal so i was really excited for my second year uh, i actually moved to minnesota for the entire summer to train there um, so my girlfriend at the time went back to Canada. I was in Minnesota, so more long distance uh, as far as like the personal life and all that. But came into that second year um, with kind of a similar mindset to my second year in Canada. But basically, I caught a break. One of our best incoming freshmen broke his leg um, actually in the first practice of the year. So I was able to kind of get bumped up in kind of the depth chart instantly. And I uh, ended up playing for like seven or eight games in a row on the first or second line with a couple of really good players and put up a couple points um, just in general, like put up numbers probably for the first time in my college career. And then he came back from his broken leg and basically didn't see the ice much the rest of the season after that. So it was a situation where, um, personally, when I was playing, I felt like I was playing really well, but then kind of got, I was never really able to get out from underneath being kind of buried for the rest of the season. But on a team perspective, we had a really, really good season. It was the first time that St. Cloud State's ever been to the, the Frozen Four, which is basically the kind of the, the final four for, for hockey. And so we made it to the Frozen Four, um, which was an amazing experience. We basically got to fly on private jets and go it was pretty cool i guess in general at least because st cloud state was like i said in this this top league but we'd never been like an elite program so it was going to help recruiting for the following year even though we, we didn't win we we won our league to get there so we got championship rings and all this stuff so i mean from a team's perspective it was a really great season uh from a personal one it was great at times but at, and other times it was uh, still pretty bad. So that's kind of where I was after the second year. After year two, you're uh, not exactly where you want to be. Probably a little bit frustrated. Uh, tw- probably tw- what twenty three at the time. So yeah. what is your? I mean, what is your kind of mindset? How are your? What, what, what are your goals going into year three? Are you just expecting to play uh, your four years and kind of figure figure out what happens? Um, what is that? 
process look like and, mm-hmm. and how are you approaching hockey now that you um, kind of, I mean, halfway through college careers yeah. when you really got to start thinking hard about things. Right, yeah. So, I mean, coaches are going to pretty much tell you what you want to hear um, in your year-end meeting. So, I mean, they're telling you that you're going to come in, you're going to have a bigger role, just be ready, that kind of thing. Um, so, coming into it, um, my mindset was just to have a good junior year. Um, my junior year, things kind of went the other way. It got worse, honestly. I was in and out of the lineup, uh, didn't play a game for almost an entire month. Uh, I think it was in November, and then got thrown in a random game against North Dakota, who was the number one team in the nation, uh, after having not playing a real game in like over a month. So just like trying to work through those situations. Uh, about halfway through the year, I was kind of considering other options. I was considering transferring. I was considering turning pro. Um, ultimately, most people that sign early, sign pro, they are signing because things are going extremely well. They're going to get a signing bonus. They're going to sign with an NHL team or an NHL American League team, which is a step down. Um, but for me, I just wanted to play. So I was ahead in school. I uh, was going for my MBA. So I graduated from St. Cloud in three years. And I could have gone back, started my MBA for my fourth year, but I ended up signing um, with the Quad City Mallards, which is was a, a affiliate of the Minnesota Wild, but two steps down. So I signed with them, hoping that I could kind of work my way up and at least get an opportunity and kind of a fresh start. When you're at a point where you know you got you, you know you got the skill set, you, you've been successful before, but you're not getting the playing time um what do your options look like in terms of going pro and how are are those those teams uh what's their perception of you you say a lot of times these guys that sign earlier are because they're doing really well you're on the opposite end of the Mm -hmm. spectrum um what does it look like from both sides yeah definitely it's a big part of us i mean the first thing a coach is going to do is they're going to google your name and they're going (laughs) to kind of look at your stats honestly and then so, I mean, I had success in juniors. I was always on really good teams, championship teams. So being a winner helps in general. Uh, my size, I'm 6'3", 200 pounds at the time. Um, so, I mean, that really helps. I mean, instantly they think that you have a l- potential in general just based on your frame. Um, so, I mean, I got, I got a chance. Um, through kind of a, a family friend type agent. So they're not really called agents at that point, but it was basically my agent. Um, so he was throwing some feelers out during that last year at St. Cloud. Um, didn't really make the final decision until kind of the end of the year. So basically um, after we went to the Frozen Four the next year, we won our league again. But every single game after that, um, so I basically wasn't involved in the tournament game, the NCAA tournament game. I wasn't involved in some of the other big games that we had and lost, and then our team ended up falling short. So, I mean, at the time, I was just kind of over it. Um, I just thought that I needed a fresh start somewhere else. I was already done with school. So I was basically going to take any offer I could get, and I was pretty confident that I could go somewhere and work my way up. So signing with Quad City, um, basically, I guess, assumed that I was going to go there and be on the team. So Quad City was in the CHL, which technically at the time was four steps down from the NHL. So I'm going to try and describe this the easiest way possible. (laughs) But so, yeah, a bunch of older guys that basically have no chance of making it. But I thought I'd go there and uh, put up some points. Uh, Halfway through that summer, 
uh, that league folds and those teams move up a level, all those teams from that league. So they move up to the ECHL, which is three steps down. Or, yeah, so it's, it's three steps down from the NHL. So by default, I had signed with a team and moved up a level without even playing in a game. So I get the tryouts, um, still have to try out for the team even though you're signed. And so I get there, uh, have honestly probably the tryout of my entire life. Um, it's, it's almost like as soon as I left St. Cloud, I just kind of got back to being me, confidence came back. Um, the last game of the tryouts, I scored two goals in a 2-1 game, like a scrimmage, fought, like did everything I could possibly do. And then the coach brings me into his office and instantly I can just see it on his face. And he's telling me they're looking for more professional experience and all this stuff that since they're moving up leagues, they need an older kind of uh, leadership group. And then I was basically the odd man out. So he tells me I can go down to a league below theirs and hopefully work my way up um, back to their team. Um, and at that point, I'm talking to my agent and in all honesty, he just got some really bad advice. And he was just like, go home, stay in shape. We'll try and find you another spot in the ECHL. So went back to Minnesota, was uh, staying with my girlfriend at the time, uh, trying to stay in shape. But I basically left school to play pro hockey and then got cut instantly. So it was a really tough, uh, tough time. Stayed in shape. Uh, Christmas rolls around. And I still haven't played one pro game yet. So go ahead. Outside of um, that bad advice you get from your agent, you have the, the trout of your life and then things still don't work out. What's your mindset even at that point? Yeah, I mean, if anything, it was it was good, honestly, because mm -hmm. I think if I would have went there and just shit the bed, I would have felt a lot worse about myself. But, like, I literally went there and did everything I could have done. Like, so, like, at that point, like, I didn't even really feel that bad about that situation. Like, it just wasn't meant to be, clearly where I made the mistake was I should have just like swallowed my pride and went down to leagues and just ripped it up in there for a week and left, but didn't do that because I was too worried about my, what my friends at St. Cloud would think if I moved down in levels and kind of sat around for four months, not playing a real game. So, um, basically Christmas time rolls around. I'm finally like, it's like, okay, like I just have to play a game. So, talking to my agent, trying to get into the league below where I signed and something kind of came up, but so I was literally on my way to the airport and I get a call from an ECHL team. So the same level that I got cut from and they're like, Hey, if we have some injuries, like come in see what happens. So it's a team in Utah. It was the Anaheim Ducks system. So I get there. Um, long story short, I'm there for like a month. I play three games and go on all their road trips. Um, they're telling me they have all these injuries. I get there, and there's still five lines of forwards. So, not sure if <laughs> what the if the coach would just needed some depth, and that was what he said to get me there or what. But played three games, um, not a ton of ice time. Um, played pretty well, but then at that point uh, got released um, when there was actually a trade at the trade deadline in the NHL. So, kind of how that works is there's a trickle down effect to the rest of the league. So I was the odd man out again, uh, had a couple of pro games under my belt, at least on my resume, but ended up moving down league. So I moved to Mississippi, which is in the SPHL. So four steps down from the NHL, um, was there for a week. Uh, was over a point per game, just absolutely ripped it up and 
all I wanted to do was get back at least up to two steps down in the ECHL. So signed in South Carolina. So on team number three of my first year in pro, uh, South Carolina was a New York Rangers system. So I was there the rest of the season. Um, and then uh, actually, so wasn't getting a ton of ice time, but then the end of the year they were out of the playoff race. So I got a really good opportunity probably for the last like four or five games. Um, scored a goal in the last second of the season. So scored my first ECHL goal, kind of a broken play. Everyone kind of quit on it and basically just drove the net and highlight real goal for someone that's not the most skilled person in the entire world. So it's a pretty cool moment to like end the season on. Um, basically at that point I was weighing my options in the summer if I wanted to continue playing after kind of ending on that high note, playing for a team that really liked me or if I wanted to kind of move on and continue my life with uh, the girlfriend that I had at the time. So, um, How old are you at this point, and what are your plans for that summer? And then, uh, obviously, what, what ends up happening after that summer? Yeah, so I am 24, so would have been after my senior year of college, but I've got kind of a half a year pro experience under my belt. Um, had this great finish to the year. Part of me thinks that... Um, that I could be okay with myself walking away. Um, the assistant coach there just loved me because I was just basically working my ass off to get in the lineup. Um, he was always going to bat for me with the coach. The team doesn't make playoffs, so the head coach gets canned. Who's the new coach is the assistant coach that just loves me. So basically I'm sitting there considering if I want to go back. They've already signed me to basically uh, an entry-level contract for – the next season but um would still have to come go through the tryout experience obviously and tryouts kind of at that level um basically whoever ends up there it's, there's always trickle down from the other leagues too so if the rangers are going to go out and sign a free agent that bumps someone down the american league which bumps someone down to my league which bumps someone out of my league so there's always that fear you get to training camp and it's it starts out like 30 players and by the end of it it's like 50 so it's it's a little kind of nerve-wracking. Um, so throughout that off-season, uh, actually got engaged. So was deciding if I wanted to move back to Penticton with her. Um, so yeah, that was uh, probably a, a story for another podcast. But it uh, it ends probably in the worst way possible, um, without giving away too many details. Basically. Um, my ex-fiance got pregnant with someone that wasn't me. So that's basically the, the end of it. Uh, so I'm in Minnesota, basically spiraling. I, I went back to St. Cloud just to kind of um, try and figure out where to go from there, if I was going to play hockey. At that point, really didn't care about hockey in general, just kind of was uh, in a really bad place. So... Um, Basically, after a, a long story short, some good friends um, meet a new woman who treats me a heck of a lot better, um, thankfully, still with her to this day. Um, but yeah, she helped me through a lot of stuff. I landed on giving at least one more go with hockey. I uh, wanted to give it one more year since that coach was uh, going to be the head coach that really liked me from that team. So went back there, um, had a decent start to the season. Um, the Rangers make a couple moves up top, uh, a couple forwards get bumped down. So I'm sitting there released. Um, so at that point, I'm just like, okay, like gave it a shot. Like I just want to kind of get on with my life kind of thing. Um, 
so I'm sitting there trying to figure out where I'm going to move to and I get a call from Pensacola, Florida. So first thing I do is Google Pensacola, Florida. I'm like, where the hell is this? <laughs> and it's, it's on the Gulf coast in Florida. And they're saying that I'll come in there and they're going to pay me double what I was making in the league that I just got released from. So I was like, all right, well I'll go sit on the beach and collect a paycheck basically for a couple months. So I went there, um, had a ton of fun. The hockey wasn't the best in the world. Um, did really well. Um, actually got called back up to the same team I got released from. So second year pro, I basically gone South Carolina to Florida and then back to South Carolina. So I was in, I was in back in South Carolina for probably almost the rest of the season. Um, and it, I came back in a really good situation, got to play, um, was almost a point per game for almost a two month span. So at that point, I'm just like, okay, like it's finally working, getting a chance and playing well. So I, I finally proved to myself that I could play at that level, which was really important to me, at least mentally. And it, it's kind of funny. Cause I guess like for the first time, probably since Penticton, like I guess didn't really care a whole lot about hockey. And like, ironically, like that's when I guess like kind of probably relaxed and started playing really well. You mentioned that uh, you, you were at this point where um, you didn't care too much about hockey outside of, of uh, the relationship misfortune. You're already kind of considering if you even want to continue with hockey. I yeah. mean, at this point, it's something you've dedicated pretty much your life to um, halfway through your 20s, which is, I mean, where people really are trying to figure shit out anyway. Mm -hmm. Do you even have an idea of what you would do if you decided to quit hockey? Do you have any other interests that you're pursuing? Uh, are you thinking about using your degree? Like, well, what what are you even considering doing if hockey doesn't work out at this point? Yeah, so I mean, I have a finance degree. Um, when I was dealing with all this stuff um, in my personal life, I had done some interviews as far as like working at a bank or something like that. Um, Quite honestly, that's when I started working in the football industry, started working at 4 for 4 kind of on a more casual basis um, when I was playing pro. I mean, there's so, only so much Netflix you can watch. I was just kind of bored and always really liked fantasy. Um, and in general, I guess have like kind of an addictive personality, I feel like. Like when I do something, I talked about it before, like I just do it full bore. So it's, it's a really good thing that I like. I, I just needed something to take my mind off of my personal life and for me, that was hockey and also, also football. And quite honestly, like I just needed something to occupy my mind to just not think about kind of the misfortune that I had been through and how much I was kind of hurting. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I was, I was writing for four for four, um, basically working on a couple other sites too, but not really sure what I wanted to do in the industry or if I even thought that it was a, a possibility to do um, full time. So was really enjoying it and kind of in a roundabout way like fell into the industry um and for the first time i like was excited about like i was more excited about coming home researching writing about football than i was about going to the rink and i was like sure. for me it was like okay like this is like uh, maybe i'll be okay if i stop playing and before that it's just like it's your entire life like i had no idea where to go after hockey since like basically the entire future that I had planned was was pretty much over. Joe, one thing that, that you had mentioned in there was that uh, when you were going to Pensacola that uh, you were going to get paid uh, double the money that, that you had been making previously. Uh, and I'm, I'm kind of glad we brought that up because I was pretty curious about what your situation was like because in a sport like baseball, 
I've heard some horror stories about minor league baseball, and I mean those are um, directly affiliated with the clubs, and a lot of the the teams are a lot deeper, so they have a lot of guys um, that that are getting drafted, but they just have so many rounds. But I've heard of situations where these guys are basically making no money, um, checking up and like condos on the road if, if they're in the off season or whatever maybe four or five guys in a two bedroom just because a lot of these minor league players aren't making major league money but people don't realize that it was hockey a little different for you guys um at any level really did did you have a little more comfort than some of those stories i've heard about baseball players yeah so if you're playing at the division one level for one of the top programs you basically get treated like you're already playing in the nhl so it was a bit of a transition uh as far as pro like it was basically anytime you're not on the ice you're on a sleeper bus which is basically just a a bus that has bunks instead of seats so it's a lot of travel a lot of 12-hour bus rides and it might sound nice to be able to lay down but trust me when you lay down for 14 hours at a time it's pretty rough on the back trying to actually perform after something like that and you get per diem for meals on the road um your housing's uh taken care of i i never had like five roommates or anything like that with some of the the baseball stories i've, I've heard about that too so it's it's not quite to that extent but yeah i mean it's a uh, kind of a situation where i was on an entry level rookie contract still technically even in my my second year because I hadn't played enough games yet. So when Pensacola offered kind of to uh, pay a little bit more than that, uh, I figured I might as well go there and kind of enjoy the experience and see what happens since uh, I was kind of at that point, um, for the most part, I decided it was probably going to be my last year. And at that point, I kind of just wanted to have some fun. Yeah, I mean, that's good to hear because, I mean, there's – the, the players are in a tough situation because it's like you're chasing this dream so you don't want to you don't want to shake things up and, and, and complain about the money you're making mm-hmm. but then at the same time like in baseball I mean these guys are pretty much downright getting exploited um, and, and they're kind of have their hands tied so that's good to hear that you guys are at least a little comfortable but going into uh, Pensacola knowing that uh, kind of in your head it's going to be your final year um, I mean is there is there any like outside shot that you just crush it and keep going on or kind of what's your mindset uh, going forward and, and what happens once you get there? I was, uh, this is my first stint, stint in uh, Pensacola. I was actually there twice during the season, uh, was up and down. So I uh, started the year in South Carolina, went to Pensacola. I think I was there for seven games, um, was in the top three or four in scoring for the entire league and actually got called back up. Um, to. There was actually a couple teams interested and then, I ended up going back to South Carolina basically because they promised me more of a kind of a significant role because of some of the call-ups that they had and some injuries. So I actually got to go back there and it was kind of like completely different than when I was there the first time I was playing regular shift. I got a little bit of power play time and actually it was like almost a point per game uh, for a little over a month. So at that point, yeah, I mean, I was dead set on having fun, but it was kind of a situation like, okay, like, I finally proved to myself that I could do this, and yeah, I mean, it, it was uh, it was great. And then at the same time, they're still bound by contract. So when those guys that I was there kind of to take their place when they were gone, when they came back, I mean, they have guys under NHL contract. So basically, if you're a free agent like I was, you're the first to go. It doesn't really matter how well you're playing. They're kind of bound by the teams that are up top. So I got released. Um, originally and then 
I actually got picked up on waivers by the best team in the league, which was in uh, New York, Adirondack, New York. So at that time, um, we're already well halfway through the year, almost probably towards the end of the season. And at that point, I was just like, okay, I want to get to Florida for spring break, to be honest. So because I knew I was, I knew I was done playing after this year. So I mean, I I went to New York. I played three games there. I was there for probably like two and a half weeks, and then heart just wasn't in it. Um, ended up asking for my release, and then went back to Pensacola for the second time. Uh, played the last five games of the regular season and then was there for the entire playoff run. When you get to this point where you've kind of been in up and down the levels and, and uh, I mean, you're at, what, 25, 26 at this point, mm-hmm. um, is, it, is, is there even an outside chance? Has anybody kind of taken the journey that you've taken and, um, and make the jump to the NHL? Or are you just kind of so rare that you just kind of made peace with that, the fact that it was going to be your last year? Yeah, so I mean, there's plenty of guys that make it to the American League, which is one step below the NHL from uh, from where I was in South South Carolina. So I mean, it's it's definitely something that still crossed my mind. But like, mm-hmm. my worst fear was playing in the ECHL in South Carolina or wherever it may be uh, when I was like 30 years old, because there's just so many guys in that league that literally like, I mean, there's a ton of very good guys. I'm not even trying to put them down at all for continuing to playing, but like. When you're 30 years old and you're making five, six hundred bucks a week, like my dream was, was to play in the NHL. It wasn't to right. live that lifestyle. So, I mean, at that point, I had proved to myself that I was more than good enough to play at that level. If, if anything, like if I'm being honest with myself, my ceiling was probably the American League. So, I mean, I, it would have taken a lot of breaks and it would have taken a lot, uh, probably more, probably two or three more years to even get that opportunity. And then, even if I would have made it to the American League, it would have been very hard to kind of uh, kind of stick there, to be honest, unless you find your way into like uh, an NHL contract or an American League contract because you're just basically on the bubble uh, constantly. And if you can't establish yourself, it's just really hard to stick. And um, mentally, I mean, when, when I look back on it, I'm, I'm definitely okay with kind of the result. I'm really glad I pursued it. And I'm also glad that I, I kind of – in my opinion, got out at the right time. I, I don't know how happy I would have been if I would have played this year, especially since I knew I did have other interests and I had already kind of gone through some some rough times. And um, now that things were kind of turning around, even outside of hockey, I just wanted to make sure I didn't screw that up, to be honest. And I had this interest in the football stuff. At this time, I was kind of uh, working through the rushing expectation stuff and just really like throwing myself into trying to make it in the industry or at least trying to make some noise so at that point I was just more kind of worried about what I was doing away from the rink and I was just trying to focus on kind of enjoying my last little bit of hockey and just making sure that I kind of ended things on a a good note that I was comfortable with. Yeah, I, I think uh, especially for people that are pursuing athletics, it's something they've known their whole life. Um, you put put so much uh, physical and mental effort into it, uh, and also it's just uh, it can be a little intimidating. No matter how old you are, kind of starting fresh is obviously uh, fantasy football opportunities sprouting up uh, probably had a lot to do with it. But would you say that you? Um, 
when you're just kind of always in that mental state of like self-aware and like self-evaluating yourself and and, and uh, figuring out if if you did want to do something else or if the football opportunity hadn't came up, uh, might you have maybe stretched out a little longer? You know, I'm not really sure. It's kind of. I would like to think that I was self-aware. Um, maybe I played a little bit longer than I should have, but I mean, it's it's a really hard thing to give up when you've been working towards something your entire life. And I think, if anything, um, I'm just thankful for the experiences I had. I mean, you walk into any non-NHL locker room and every single guy there has a story about how he got fucked over. And that's not that's not like what I'm trying to say with this. I'm just trying to say kind of what my story was. But don't think that me bouncing around in pro hockey was unique in any way because it's a ton. There's a ton of really good players that don't make it as far as I did. And there's a ton of not so good players that catch some breaks and make it further. So it's it's really just about, in my opinion, just um, knowing that when you're done, that you did everything you could do and just trying to be okay with that result in the end. Before you were done, uh, you mentioned that you did stick on uh, for for the playoffs. Tell us about that final playoff run. Yeah, it was uh, quite honestly probably some of the most fun I've ever had playing hockey. I mean, we lived in million-dollar condos on the beach. It was three straight <laughs> weeks of spring break, and I don't know. It was I had a lot of fun off the ice, and honestly, it just made things so much easier on the ice too. And and it's not that we were totally like doing whatever we wanted, but I mean, I got to play a lot. I got to basically just leave it all out there. So we ended up winning the championship. Um, my mom got to see me play one pro hockey game and I scored an overtime winner, uh, in the, in the finals. So, I mean, those are the kind of memories that I'll, uh, remember from that. And then, uh, just basically like winning a championship is great i've done it at almost every level i've been at but living in florida and winning a championship it doesn't matter what level it was it doesn't matter if i won the stanley cup it's like you won a championship with a lot of your best friends and it's like we basically got on a plane and went to mexico that night because we woke up and we we're literally on the beach like it was incredible I mean, it's not uh, it's not John Elway leaving with the Super Bowl MVP, but having that already kind of thinking that this is going to be your closure to, to hockey no matter what happens, and then uh, going out there scoring scoring game winner in overtime and winning the championship, um, it had to almost be as much of a storybook ending as possible for for where you're at, huh? Yeah, I mean, some sort of resolution is all you're really looking for at that point. And, I mean, there's tons of guys that you never know, like, when you want to be done. But, like, at the end of that, I was able to walk away and be pretty happy with at least uh, how things ended up. I mean, I feel like I took a, a really good shot um, at sticking it out um, at the higher levels, even when I wasn't playing, just kind of uh, – did everything I could. So, I mean, looking back on it, I'm really grateful for those experiences. I'm grateful for my time at St. Cloud. There's a lot of people that ask me if I wish I would have gone back for my senior year. And, and probably from a personal perspective, yeah, I mean, I think that I missed out on some things for sure, especially since I was, I mean, I was never single in college. So, I mean, there's some things I definitely missed out on, definitely. Um, 
But from a hockey perspective, it was 100% the right decision. So I don't second guess that whatsoever. If I would have gone back my senior year and, and not played, I might not have been able to play pro hockey at all. So, I mean, I think from that, um, looking back kind of in hindsight, I think that was the right decision. Um, made some mistakes along the way, uh, definitely. But I'm pretty pretty secure with where, uh, where at least my ceiling was. And my ceiling might not have been the NHL, but uh, that was definitely my dream. So when uh, it kind of got to the point where I was ready to move on and do other things, I think that it was, it was important not to kind of uh, stick around and just be miserable, basically. Yeah, I, I mean, getting to know you over the past couple of years, I know that there's a lot more to Joel Holka than uh, the hockey player, but your your hockey journey is one of uh, getting knocked down, getting back up, and lots of resilience. Um, also, just being a, a very self-aware person, where did that resilience come from where you didn't always look like you were going to get to your ultimate goal, but you kept persevering. Um, I mean, ultimately in a roundabout way, it led to, um, it led to this awesome new adventure you're having. Just talk about, uh, what you would tell somebody going through a similar experience, don't matter the field, um, where obviously there's always going to be a lot of roadblocks and, and, uh, bumps and bruises that you got to get through. Yeah. I mean, I was, a hockey player from Arizona, it wasn't easy from the beginning to kind of gain respect. And it's not that I had a chip on my shoulder, but I think that um, when it comes to getting noticed, when it comes to being competitive, like sometimes that chip on your shoulder can really help. And when it came down to it in hockey and anything, I just, I've always been willing to kind of bet on myself more than anything. Cause I know that I'm willing to kind of put the work in and, you know, I think I'm a pretty big believer in karma and I, I've been through some, some tough times. There's a lot of people that have been through a lot tougher times than me, but I feel like if I keep doing the right things, that good things are going to happen. And, uh, I, I've ran into some, some friends that I played college hockey with, that I played junior hockey with that I hadn't seen for a long time. And like, obviously they'd heard kind of what I went through and, um, I see them now and they're just like, man, I haven't seen you this happy in forever. Like they're all at their, their jobs and their cubicles or they're, they're still kind of grinding it out in the minors on the bus for 14 hours at a time. And, and I get to like write about football and, and make DraftKings lineups all night. Like it's, I, I, there's a lot of times where it's a grind definitely in season, but I mean, I think that, um, kind of what I've been through, just, it, I, I've never really been opposed to putting the work in as far as, uh, kind of the short, the, the long-term, uh, kind of benefits of something. So it, I think that worked out really well for me, uh, definitely a long ways to go, but I think, uh, the small amount of success that I've had so far has been really rewarding. And, uh, for the first time it's been kind of, uh, it's been exciting just to be able to, uh, look forward to something besides hockey, especially when hockey didn't completely work out at least i've got those i mean i've got those life experiences that a lot of people never got to have so you're extremely fortunate yeah i mean one of my big takeaways from our conversation is exactly what you said right there that i mean you you have this focus and at the time it might seem like the only thing going on but at the end of it uh there's a lot of memories and uh a lot of positive that's you're going to take from um any experience where you're putting that much work and, and effort and energy into it. Uh, 
you have a unique perspective on hockey, obviously, as someone uh, that has played the game at the professional level for someone like myself that uh, knows almost nothing about hockey but is is interested in in at least getting to know the game a little bit and watching it somewhat intelligently. Uh, where would you tell someone to start and, and what are some uh, just kind of viewing tips for, from a more educated person on, on what to uh, watch in a hockey game that you might not get from like an NBC commentator? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's probably the first thing is not to really listen to some of the stuff you're going to hear on ESPN just because they're trying to get people to listen and the like the masses of the United States don't really care about hockey. So they need to try and make it interesting. They need to try and dress up the whole fighting and guys that lose their teeth. But I mean, really it's just a, a sport where there's a ton of athletes that have put a lot into this for their whole lives. And just from a kind of, I, I always tend to kind of side with the players. And in that respect, I think that there's a lot of things that, uh, pretty much in any sport, if you're covering it as an analyst, you you don't understand what these guys are going through on a day to day basis. Like it is a mental grind. There's so much pressure, and a lot of times uh, these guys are just looking for a chance. It, it really bothers me when people kind of look at players that maybe don't have a lot of points, or or even in football that haven't done super well, but they haven't really had much of an opportunity. Like call, sell, telling them that they're terrible players, like. These people have no idea how good these players are that are just on the cusp of being like an every every game player, like and pretty much any sport. Like they're it's all about catching breaks. It's not always the best players that make it through the cracks. Like the undrafted players have to work a hell of a lot harder to get the opportunities that basically they have to prove that they're willing even to get an opportunity in the the draft picks, the higher draft picks have to prove that basically that they're not worthy of really any chance whatsoever of panning out when it's just a lot more difficult, I think, for for owners, for coaches to kind of admit their mistakes. So it, it just bugs me when people think that there's such a huge difference between guys that are not just superstars, but just guys that are kind of everyday NFL, NHL, whatever it is, players and guys that are kind of just on the cusp. But that's uh, that's kind of where I'm at with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i definitely looking forward to watching hockey with a fresh perspective. Uh, Joe, this was a lot of fun. This is what this podcast is all about, getting some very interesting people on here to talk about topics that, uh, frankly, I have no idea about, but it's fascinating to hear these conversations. Uh, so thank you so much for coming on. Before we get out of here, um, plug all your stuff. Where can everybody find you at? Yeah, you guys can find me on Twitter at Joe Holka. Uh, all my work at 444 Football with Rushing Expectation, my running back methodology uh, at rostercoach.com and then also at Fantasy Labs. So, uh, yeah, really appreciate you having me on, TJ. It was kind of fun to kind of work through this. I haven't really thought about it kind of on a chronological way in quite some time. So, it's good. Hey everyone, TJ here again with a few things before I get out of here. First of all, thanks again to Joel Holka for coming on the podcast. If you would like to be on the podcast or you have an idea for somebody that you think would make a good guest with a unique passion or hobby, uh, reach out to me on Twitter at TJ Hernandez and I would love to talk to you about being on the pod. If you would like to support what I do and keep this podcast going, there are a couple ways you can do that. The first 
Go to my Twitter account and check out the pinned tweet on my account. It has a link where you could sign up for 4 for 4 Fantasy Football. If you're not familiar with 4 for 4, uh, we offer a ton of great rankings, projections, analysis, and fantasy football tools. I think you'll be very happy with what we have to offer there. If you sign up through my link, it really helps me out a lot. Also, check out my site, rostercoach.com. Rostercoach is a video-based classroom-style website where we offer courses that kind of help you think about how to be better at DFS rather than just telling you who you should be playing. It gives you a really unique insight into how some of the best DFS players that I know are approaching the game. And finally, please go on iTunes. If you enjoy what I'm doing here, give me a five-star rating and a review. That goes a very long way in getting the word out in the podcast. I really appreciate everyone that's listening, and I will talk to you guys next week.